Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy, druids. In cars. Going to festivals. So I've been thinking a lot recently about spirits and deities of healing, um, particularly because, like, not just physical ailments, which are obviously in this current slash post-pandemic world are a thing. Indeed. um, But also just... The constant dragging on of days has led to a lot of like mental healing that um, that I know I'm in need of and I'm sure that there are others out there who are experiencing this malaise. Indeed, and it's a good good day to talk about that since it's beautiful and sunny and we've got a bit of a breeze which hopefully won't show up on the microphones. Um, Vitamin D, very good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, so it's it's a it's a good day to, to chat about that sort of thing. And we were kind of going back and forth earlier over Facebook Messenger about different healing and archetypes and, and stuff like that. So um, good good place to start. You want to start with the obvious of deities? We can start with the obvious of deities. So. The deity that I have most, I guess, intimately worked with, by far not the only one that I've worked with, is Sequana, uh, who is a the goddess of the River Seine in um, in France. Flows through Paris. If you've ever seen a picture of Notre Dame Cathedral, you've seen a picture of the Seine. Um, and shortly after my father died, um, I was privileged to get to go over to France and enjoy one of those river cruises that they do. Um, and so I sailed all the way up the Seine, all the way back down it, um, which was a lot of fun, but it also gave me a chance to kind of connect with this deity. So stopped at a couple of museums, spent some time there, and I've had an image of Sequana on my altar for years now. Uh, she stood out to me as one of the only Gaulish deities in the Sacred Source catalog. <laughs> but also, um, she's a goddess standing on a duck-proud boat. So it's kind of funny. The, the Sacred Source version of it looks a little bit like a rubber ducky she's standing on the back of. Uh, but the original that it's made from is actually quite nice. And... At the headwaters of the Seine, uh, which is near Dijon, France, the, uh, 
there's there was a temple established in the first or second century BC and people would bring offerings of body parts um, images of body parts specifically so they would carve a leg out of wood or uh, or something like that or carve themselves bringing a basket of fruit and they would cast it into the waters and that would help them heal um, didn't you bring a whole bunch with you i did i brought a number of things with me um, i essentially i said hey i've got i'm going here i'm visiting this particular healing deity um, if you'd like i'll take something with um, just kind of either let me know or pay me the cost of making something and I'll take it with. And so I took legs and I took knees and I took eyes and all that sort of <laughs> stuff uh, with me uh, to make offerings. I just imagine you going through customs. <laughs> well, fortunately, all biodegradable, all that kind of stuff, you know, it, just, it dissolves. Um, but uh, the... Um, the, the process of doing that was useful to me as well. Um, but yeah, this particular deity is, is all about the ducks. Um, and sometimes when I think about ducks and healing, I think about, you know, water rolling off the back. So it's interesting that you mentioned ducks because I've just decided <laughs> that ducks are a spirit that I should look into working with. Um, in large part because of this phrase that keeps going through my mind of a duck isn't anything except a duck. Like it just is, it is confident in its ability to duck. It is able to be calm on the rolling surface of water, even if it's paddling frantically underneath. Um, <laughs> it doesn't care what people think when it looks like a duck because it, it's a duck. <laughs> Looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Yeah, it's then a duck. it's a duck. <laughs> so I've decided that that is a, I don't know if archetype is the right word for it, but like a set of duck values <laughs> that seem useful to me as a way to like build self-confidence and kind of overcome those insecurities that people that people like me have when we're thinking about our relationships with others yeah well and one of the things i've got a, a friend who um is terribly amused by duck butts because <laughs> you know when they're feeding they and they flip upside down they flip upside down <laughs> they stick their head down in the bottom and all you see are these feet wagging out of the water and these and these butts that go back and forth it's hilarious and amazing and you got to be confident to do that <laughs> yeah and i think that's a huge part of it and for me it's like there's these fears that i have that like i'm a burden on other people or that um other people are judging me for things which i think is a common line of anxieties sure <laughs> but um this idea that if i'm like a duck then i can just be me and just exist and be confident in who I am in existing. Indeed. And frankly, if a goddess can ride a boat that's shaped like a duck, 
you can do anything, right? Which I assume she has to be pretty confident to ride a duck boat. And she, not she like a... She certainly looks confident. Not a military duck boat, but like a rubber duck boat. Yes. <laughs> certainly looks confident. She's standing there all regal and proud, her crown upon her head and her duck <laughs> beneath her. So speaking of birds as boats, yeah. um, another healing deity that I work with is Apollo, mm -hmm. who has a swan boat. I don't think it's a boat. I think he just rides a swan. But again, the sacred source catalog has a lovely <laughs> image of Apollo astride a swan <laughs> with his uh, staff and his lyre. Uh, <laughs> and so he's, I work with kind of a pair. So Apollo is who I work with for physical ailments. Mm -hmm. And his wife, Epione, is who I work with for mental ailments. Um, he is who I call out to him and Asclepios. Sorry, Asclepios is like a sub-deity. Mm -hmm. I think it's, he's the son of Apollo, maybe. Um, and his wife is Epione. But, so I call out to Asclepios when I'm praying for someone who's like undergoing surgery. I pray that he guides the doctor's hands. Um, and then his wife, Epione, is um, a comforting deity. Mm -hmm. And so I pray to her when people are having like instability mentally or struggling with depression because she wraps, wraps you in her arms and kind of gives you that sense of security and safety. Yeah, one of the, the deities that I've often worked with um, is for, for folks who have like a, a Norse focus, I usually work with uh, the goddess Air. Um, for, focus, for an Irish focus, um, there are a lot of options there for healing, but I have gone with Ermed, who gathered together all of the healing herbs. Yeah, she's the one with the cloak full of herbs, exactly. right? Exactly, put them all in her cloak, and then the cloak gets dispersed, and now we don't know which ones they are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, there's a lot of options, no matter what, your, what culture or pantheon you're, you're kind of working through, and figuring out which one it is that you need to work with is sometimes the most complicated part, I think, of doing the healing work in, in the first place. Yeah, I mean, this whole decision to work with ducks is kind of, I think you could apply that to a bunch of other spirits where I looked at what the qualities I was looking to imbue into myself are and searching out in this case elements of nature that um, kind of fulfill that that need um, and l looking up to admiring slash doing trance work and becoming that creature mm -hmm. um, but I think you can apply that to deities as well in some sense of you're looking at their qualities, um, specifically if they're a deity of healing. But we often say that the deity you should pray to is the one that you know. Absolutely. Um, so I think if you know a different deity and they have qualities that can strengthen you in some way, that that is a completely valid and choice that makes sense. Yeah, and often it's unexpected. Um, not long ago, I gave a uh, a workshop to uh, the, the Ohio State University's uh, 
School of Religion on healing and relationships. That was a really interesting workshop. I can workshop. link to that as well. Um, but the, the, as I was working through it, the thing that I most realized is that sometimes the being that you, work, that you want to work with is, ends up surprising you. Either one that you expected to work with says, nope, that's not me. <laughs> or one that you've never heard of before says, hey, that's me. <laughs> Let's start a relationship based on this. And that whole dynamic is also, I think, very interesting. And like I said, it was a whole presentation. So don't delve too d deeply into it. Um, but I very often, um, I work with my, my usual spirits for a lot of stuff. So I'll work with Garnus, the crane, another long-necked liminal water bird, mm -hmm. uh, very often for healing purposes and, and stuff like that. But every so often, I will turn around and I will find myself surprised. And there was a, a working that I did up in northern Michigan where I was working with uh, Reverend Kirk Thomas, and all of a sudden it was Rotri, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Vedic goddess of night who just appeared there, and that was who we worked with um, in a Norse ritual. It was really strange, and I don't have any other way to describe it other than... She showed surprised. up. <laughs> she showed up, and there we were. So, yeah, sometimes it's, it's interesting. The, the more you plan out sometimes, the weirder the healing gets. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I think I do... I'm very much a theurgic magician, which means that I rely on my relationships to gain force of will mm -hmm. to, um, to work magic, such as healing. Um, but there are instances, I think, where going more the route of having material things is helpful. Yeah. So you mentioned having the... Um, icons of legs and knees and whatever that you of offerings. that you chucked in the river <laughs> um, which I think is a good way to focus your your magic and your will um, I've done work in healing most often with candles um, so it's not just the plea to a spirit um, but it is paired with a candle and then letting that candle burn down for me that kind of completes that healing. Mm -hmm. You can also look at a lot of different things as healing as well. Um, the, the, we, when we start talking about props and things that we use, the thing that comes to my mind, of course, is the cheese spell, <laughs> um, which we talked about in the episode about magic that works. And... In, in that spell, you, you're doing fertility work. And for us in particular, it was definitely a, a healing sort of work, mm -hmm. I thought, because things weren't working, so we had to get them to work. Um, and so the cheese then became that kind of... Vessel? Vessel, that kind of bit of, of physicality that made things work. And so there's lots of, lots of different ways. And a lot of things can be healing that you may not initially think of as healing. And I think that a broad definition of healing helps you not only to figure out how to do it, but also who you can call on, what types of techniques you can use. 
uh, to achieve that aim. My favorite healing, and we might have talked about this in the Magic That Works episode too, um, was the teething balm. I think we did talk about that. <laughs> Where I made essentially hummus for teething. Um, because... Tooth tigers, man. Yeah, because my... Was it my daughter? Yes. I think it was my daughter. Um, who was cutting teeth and was making her real mad. And I was like, we, we, something's got to give. I think I was breastfeeding at the time too. Yeah. So there was chewing and it was just not good. <laughs> but creating that um, physical vessel for the healing to take place was definitely beneficial. And I don't think, I don't think I called out to any deities for that one. I think that was solely a, like, collect your materials and brew a potion of garbanzo beans. <laughs> <laughs> Much better than Eye of Newt, I suppose. <laughs> no, there's, there's lots of interesting ways to kind of look at healing, but it, at the end of the day, when I've looked at it, I've always seen it as you know, how do we build relationships that not only heal us, but keep us healthy? Because healing isn't a, a one-off thing. It's a, it's a relationship. I mm -hmm. think. Um, you have to keep up on it. You, know, you, you can't stop exercising and expect to feel just the way you were, as much as I wish that were the case. <laughs> um, you've got to keep pushing it, and you've got to keep working it. And healing's the same way. You can't just get back to where you were and say, oh, I'm done. You gotta keep it up too. Probably finish your whole course of antibiotics, for example. <laughs> <laughs> so I have this image now of if you let up on your healing too soon, everything comes back uh, resistant to the techniques you used before, I which don't know might if actually. Far, but I, I, I can see that. Yes, Let, let's extend the metaphor. And yes, that's where you end up. <laughs> right, let's continue to give back to those who helped. Otherwise, you never know if you're gonna be able to continue where you are. It's a fun thing, trying to figure it all out, and it's an important thing. But at the end of the day, if you're okay with your butt in the air and your feet wagging everywhere, you too can be a duck. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org. If you'd like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski, and the music is written and recorded by Mike Beershank. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org, and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes, and let us pray with a good fire. <laughs>